Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, the White House budget request is looking good for one category in particular. It's a strong budget proposal for IT, at least. The data on the IT dashboard doesn't tell the whole story. It says we spent $82 billion on IT. You know what? That is severely understated. It's double or triple that amount if you looked at the embedded IT on these big programs. And a vote of confidence in the budget request for the IRS. Long term, we've got to look at how do we put together an IRS that can effectively serve the American taxpayer. And to continue to shove it to the side and say it's not important and and blame the IRS when they when Congress hasn't given them the funding, I think is misguided. It's Tuesday, March 29th, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. The Army has a new principal cyber advisor. Michael Solmeyer will work with Army Chief Information Officer Raj Iyer and Army Cyber, according to a statement from Army Secretary Christine Warmoth. Solmeyer succeeds the retiring Terry Mitchell. He joins from U.S. Cyber Command. The new budget request from the Biden administration raises federal IT spending by 11 percent. The proposal includes big pools of money for the Technology Modernization Fund and the Federal Citizen Services Fund. Dave Nitschpeers writing about the proposal on fedscoop.com. Dave, welcome. Thanks for coming on. What are two or three or four of the most interesting things that you've seen now that you've had 24, 48 hours to kind of parse the budget request? Yeah, well, I think at the highest level, just the fact that we're seeing such a big increase in IT, sort of a an unprecedented one in recent years, uh, is great for agencies. Uh, a year ago when we were seeing the budget come out, uh, there was a lot of concern about solar winds. And so a lot of that money that we saw in the budget was really cyber focused. But you had a lot of CIOs also going, well, what about our legacy systems and modernization efforts? And uh, this increase in IT seems more to cover all the bases as opposed to being purely cyber focused. And that's going to be a huge boon for CIOs. The focus on legacy systems, I think, is interesting because I saw a report, uh, the Internal Revenue Service, $35 million. I'm going to ask Tony Reardon of the National Treasury Employees Union about that later in the program. But um, there are pockets of money all throughout the proposal for those kinds of legacy upgrades, aren't there? Yeah, uh, it's great to see all these agencies getting a, a, a little piece of the pie here to, to boost these systems. Uh, obviously, the IRS has has a lot of uh, system upgrades that they want to make in the coming year, and that'll be interesting to see how that plays out and how they spend their money. Uh, another interesting aspect of this budget uh, that I expect we'll get into is the the $300 million for the Technology Modernization Fund. Uh, you spoke to Claire Marana recently, where she mentioned that uh, she, she wishes there was uh, ten billion in the TMF because yeah. it just gives them far more flexibility to fund a lot of modernization programs and fund riskier ones. Which, uh, which right now it seems like they're playing it safe and sort of funding projects that they know are going to succeed. But it would be great to see some more off the wall projects getting money, uh, sort of high risk, high reward to to really modernize agency systems. Yeah, she said they have something like two billion dollars in hard proposals already in for the technology modernization fund in hand. And there's more coming in all the time. Um, my conversation with hers in the archives at the Daily Scoop Podcast.com. $300 million, though, when the TMF already has, according to Claire, 700 and some million that they haven't awarded yet. 
might wind up being a tough pull for Congress, I would imagine. It's in the proposal. Whether it makes it to the finish line is, as I imagine, up for grabs. Yeah, that's one I'm a little bit more nervous about. Uh, you're definitely going to see some lawmakers that uh, aren't as fond of the TMF probably eyeing that money for cuts or, or, or movement um, be, simply because that money hasn't been spent. But I think that the TMF board has also been trying to show that they're doing their due diligence with some of these uh, th- these best practices that they're sharing in, in reports and such. So hopefully that money does is maintained. Um, we also see a, uh, a Robin Carnahan, GSA's administrator, highlighted that uh, as the president's budget stands, the proposal, $115.8 million would go to the uh, Federal Citizen Services Fund. That could also benefit projects like the uh, the Presidential Innovation Fellows and also FedRAMP. So we've got a lot of money uh, in for IT modernization, and hopefully that all stands. Now, Robin Carnahan is an experienced hand at GSA. She's also an experienced politician, comes from a terrific political family in Missouri. And she used a word here that I thought was interesting in the way this is presented. And and you have this in your story at fedscoop.com. These are common sense investments in our nation's physical and digital infrastructure. Now, that's a word that it has a great political meaning to the Biden administration. I wonder if that's a message to Congress to say this is an opportunity to invest in infrastructure technology-wise, when you're also thinking about infrastructure, physical infrastructure. I mean, that, that, I'm sure that was on purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, as much as we'd like to, to see a Congress full of technocrats, uh, that's just <laughs> not the case. And so when you use a word like infrastructure, I think a lot of uh, less tech-savvy congressmen, their ears perk up. They think, oh, I haven't really thought about IT as infrastructure, but it absolutely is, and it absolutely needs to be something we need to be investing money in. Yeah, and we'll get into that later in the program with Dave Pounder of of, uh, MITRE, was at the Government Accountability Office, and he's told me time and time again that the IT spending that's designated in in the budget as IT spending isn't anywhere near the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, it just uh, it, it needs to be bolstered. And I think we're, we're seeing that push among the tech savvy lawmakers uh, and, and we're seeing the language uh, being used among the Carnahan's of uh, of officials. So so I guess we're just going to have to wait and see how this plays out. But uh, it, it's it's a strong budget proposal for I.T. at least. Dave, great to talk to you as always. Great reporting. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. You can read Dave's story on the budget request and lots of other news at fedscoop.com. CyberScoop's Zero Trust Summit's coming next week. It'll feature public and private sector leaders talking about solutions for federal agencies that are implementing Zero Trust technology and strategy. The Zero Trust Summit happening next Wednesday, April 6th at the Conrad in Washington, D.C. You can find a link to learn more in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The new federal IT dashboard from the General Services Administration is up and running. The agency says itdashboard.gov tracks more than 7,000 IT projects. David Pounder is executive director of the Center for Data-Driven Policy at MITRE. He's former director of IT issues at the Government Accountability Office. Dave, welcome. It's great to talk to you again. You're here because Karen Evans said last week when I asked her about the IT dashboard, you should really ask Dave Pounder. This is his thing. She was right because when we first connected on this call, your eyes lit up when I said, 
We're going to talk about the IT dashboard. Dave, what's so great about this new iteration? What do you like about it? Welcome. Well, what I like about the iteration really goes back to when it was originally rolled out, Francis, in 2009. I mean, it was, I think it was a first big step to enhance CIO authority. So, you know, Karen was over there in her federal CIO role. And then when the Obama administration came in with Vivek Kundra, he rolled out the IT dashboard and there was a big debate, you know, do we put the CIO picture next to the investment or not? Knowing that a lot of CIOs didn't have anything to do with some of the investments. And they did that. And what happened was the CIOs went over and had discussions at the White House about getting involved with these IT projects. And I think it was a first big step into ensuring that IT projects were more aligned with CIOs consistently. The General Services Administration says data submissions are streamlined, federal IT data collection upgraded into a coherent modularized ecosystem that better supports agency partners and OMB. That's one of the outcomes of this revision to the dashboard. Robin Carnahan, the Administrator GSA, calls it a significant milestone. Is it significant and why do you think this is this redo is significant, Dave? Well, I think the redo is significant, uh, not so much from a functionality point of view, because I think there are some enhancements, but I think it positions GSA to make future enhancements. And again, where we're at right now, it's a great look at the spending that we have and the distribution on spending. Is it development? Is it O&M? Is it non-majors? Major? There's actually detailed information on TBM in there. You can go in by agency and you can look at the spending by the towers and cost pools and where we're spending our money. The other beauty of the dashboard is really not only what are we spending the money on in the breakdown, but it gives you an indication of performance, Francis. So unlike a USA spending database, which is just, this is what we're spending money on, there's a CIO rating and there's cost and schedule information. And I know the discussion with Karen Evans, there's some debate about are only 4% of them you know, truly high risk and are, is 92% of them truly on schedule? It's probably overstated a bit when you look at self-reported information, but I would still say the transparency of the spend and an indication of performance has great value. Now, going forward uh, to Robin Carnahan's point, I think there are opportunities to really improve things like focus on mission modernization. There's better cost savings that could occur, and there's also improved accountability. The one thing that, that I always pushed for real hard and while, while we're on this notion of putting the CIO's picture next to the investment or not, I think there should be a business owner's picture next to the investment. So for instance, if it's a, if it's a financial management upgrade, the CFO should be uh, on that uh, investment alongside the CIO and some of the business owners should be there. And I will say this, if you look at the dashboard, there's inconsistencies on how agencies do this. So a good example is like NOAA at the Department of Commerce. If you look at NOAA's investments, you see things like infrastructure, cyber, but you also see investments on like uh, maritime investments and search and rescue investments. It's not, it's like the big mission critical stuff, Francis. And I think if, uh, if you step back and look at the dashboard, it says we spent 82 billion on IT. You know what? That is severely understated. It's double or triple that amount if you looked at the embedded IT on these big programs. And so there's these inconsistencies if you dig into it. So the more we have consistencies on having transparency on mission modernization, that number will go up and we'll probably have better delivery 
And the CIO will be an even better business partner with the mission owners. So you answered the question that I was going to ask next, which is because you've educated me about this for the 10 or 15 years that we've known each other, Dave. And that is that whatever the IT, I'm using air quotes, number is 80 billion or 90 billion or whatever it is now, that's not the right number because of all of the IT that's embedded in all of the program lines. And getting to that strikes me as what's going to really turbocharge the value of the IT dashboard, right? Absolutely, Francis. So I think if you looked at, if you took NOAA as an example and agencies emulated those mission modernization investments, and you could just look at, you look at some agencies and it's just the infrastructure and it's cyber and it's investments in the cloud, that's all fine. We want transparency on that, but we need the big mission modernization stuff. Uh, and again, too, I think if you did that, there's great value in that. We would have, you know, enhanced CIO authorities, better mission delivery. The other thing is I think the cost savings, there's a cost savings report in there, and we're focused on data centers and portfolio stat. We've been doing that for a decade. There's nothing wrong with that, but, you know, that 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 we're past that at this point in time. I think you could have a cost savings report on reducing technical debt associated with our legacy investments that we could have another round of significant savings in the billions like we've had with data center consolidation. All right. Um, what will you look for as the next steps when there's some next iteration? Is it just the stuff we've outlined today or are there are other items that you think should be incorporated into whatever the next iteration of uh, IT dashboard.gov is? So I would like to see Francis to, to kind of sum it up. I would like to see more focus on mission modernization investments there and also accountability, improved accountability with the mission owners. I do think there's a big opportunity with things that are happening in Congress to actually give this a push. Uh, Senator Hassan introduced, uh, it's, it's actually a committee markup this week, a Legacy Reduction Act bill, which ties directly to this. There's on the House side, ICE and Connolly have reconnected with the IT Modernization Caucus. I think there are things going on on both the Senate side and the House side with this focus on mission modernization, we have a real opportunity for Congress to get on board too and give a, a push that might be needed to enhance the IT dashboard. I read Senator Hassan's bill. The intent is terrific, but if there's not money attached to it in the appropriation, it doesn't matter much, does it? Well, I think, uh, so clearly you got to have money associated with it, Francis. And I think beyond an analysis of your legacy inventories and plans to, uh, you know, to replace that. You need some uh, implementation actions to ensure that we have action on those plans to address. And that's where I think the IT dashboard, similar to what I testified on the uh, revisions to the uh, FATAR scorecard, I would love to see it, each agency have maybe their top three mission modernization uh, acquisitions that reduce their technical debt in these legacy challenges. Dave Pounder, it's great to talk to you as always, my friend. Thanks. Thank you, Francis. You can read more about the revamped IT dashboard in today's show notes, thedailyscooppodcast.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop podcast. Congressman Jim Langevin is one of the leading voices in Congress on cybersecurity. He's leaving at the end of this term, and he's on tomorrow's Daily Scoop podcast. That show debuts Wednesday afternoon at fedscoop.com and wherever you get your shows.
Federal employees would get a 4.6% pay raise in the budget proposal the White House released Monday. Some individual agencies would be in line for some big increases, too. Tony Reardon is president of the National Treasury Employees Union. Tony, you said yesterday, today's budget proposal is a statement of confidence in our nation's public servants and the incredibly important work they do. What all did you see there that you liked? We have plenty of time. Go ahead. Um, Francis, thank you. Um, and uh, enjoy as always being on with you. Um, yeah, you know, I thought the um, budget proposal, um, a- as you indicated, uh, suggested that um, the president certainly sees the important role that the federal workforce plays um, in uh, uh, the efficient functioning of our of our government and our country. Um, you know, the uh, in, in terms of pay, you know, look, I think that the 4.6 that the president uh, proposed, I think is a, is a um, I've sort of characterized it as a good starting point uh, for the discussion. And, you know, Francis, I, 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 say it for the, I say that for this reason. You know, federal employees, um, when, you, when you compare them to the private sector and, and the Federal Salary Council, which I, which I sit on in late 2020, uh, put out a report that suggested that um, the uh, that federal employees are paid lower than their private sector counterparts by 23.11%. And that's a pretty dr- dramatic um, uh, difference. And so, you know, our view is that with inflation, um, with everything that federal employees have gone through over the last couple of years, just like much of the, the, the nation, of course, um, but but largely because of that discrepancy between the private sector and the federal sector, that federal employees deserve um, a uh, 5.1% pay increase, which is what NTEU is supporting, um, and, and we're supporting legislation known as the FAIR Act that would call for that average 5.1% pay increase. I note that some of the agencies where NTEU has a large cohort of of members where you represent a lot of people, big increases, 28% at the Environmental Protection Agency, uh, according to your team, 27% at HHS, 18% at the IRS, big technology plus up at CBP. There's a lot here, I imagine, for the rank and file federal employees, especially your members to like, if Congress goes along with what the White House has proposed. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And what I think, um, what I think, this is a nod from the uh, White House, from the administration, on um, in large measure is really the dramatic um, decreases that we saw, um, both in staffing and and funding generally for um, uh, federal agencies over the last several years. And, you know, I think there's been such a hollowing out, really, of so many of our federal agencies, certainly many that NTEU represents employees in. I mean, if you look, for example, at the at the IRS, I mean, it's it's pretty widely known, right, that um, and it's not just it wasn't just the last administration. I mean, it goes back to 2010, really, where you saw um, the IRS lose something on the order of 22 uh, percent of its workforce. That is a pretty tough position for the agency that's responsible for bringing in, at least according to uh, uh, Commissioner Redigan in recent testimony, 96% of our government's revenue. No company, no corporate uh, entity 
could um, continue to function effectively or efficiently, um, uh, losing in that period of time 22% of its workforce. And at various times during these these past uh, tw- uh, 12 years or so, uh, Francis, it was more on the order of about 30% uh, of its workforce. Now it started to come back a little bit. So in answer to your question, yeah, I think um, the uh, bringing back funding um, to many of these agencies so that they can retool so that so that federal employees um, can have the the uh, uh, the tools and the resources they need to perform the functions that the and, and the services that the American taxpayer needs, I think is critically important. Yeah, the tools and resources are as important, I think, as the actual what happens to the employees, because you your, your team notes NTU also supports the additional $35 million for business systems modernization at the IRS. IRS is home to some of the oldest legacy technology in the federal government. You know this better than I do, Tony, because your members are the ones that have to work it. And uh, the IRS has done, I think, some interesting things and, and, and positive things regarding procurement and so on. And it's, it strikes me that this budget says those things are good and we want to make sure that they have the resources they need to continue. Is that a fair read on my part, do you think? Yeah, no, I think it, I think it um, Francis, is uh, an absolutely fair read. You know, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's no surprise, you know, that when you start talking about technology that in many cases is from the 60s or 70s, and it's certainly over the decades been kind of pieced together, right? I mean, that's not good for the IRS as a whole. It's not good for the taxpayer. But as you mentioned, it's not good for the employees who are responsible um, for trying to deliver for the American taxpayer. And here's what I will tell you about um, the employees. The employees want to do a tremendous job, a great job for the American taxpayer. But you're right. The agency needs the funding so that the employees can have the technology so that they can have the colleagues um, so that they can have um, everything that they need to be able to de- uh, deliver on the agency's mission. Number of stories up at fedscoop.com about uh, some of the technology items that are in the uh, federal uh, budget proposal from the White House. And here's the problem. It's a proposal. This is what the White House would like. Congress is uh, hopefully sooner rather than later going to undertake the work that they do every day for or every year for authorizations and appropriations. What do you see as being the potential holdups to get some of these things through into law for the federal employees that you represent and the others across the 2.1 million federal enterprise, Tony? Well, you know, I mean, I think we always um, uh, year in and year out, regardless of what administration is in place, you know, you've got the uh, sort of internal uh, battles in Congress about what, how they're going to fund agencies or not. I think um, where, you know, for example, we're talking about um, the, we've been doing a lot of talk about the IRS today. Um, I, I think many people recognize, I mean, certainly given all of the discussion about the IRS having what is it? You know, I think you get various numbers from, you know, different people you talk to, but something on the order of 24 million pieces of mail that are out there that contain uh, returns and, and um, you know, all kinds of uh, information that that is is needed um, by the IRS in order to process people's um, returns. You know, there have there's got to be at some point the recognition 
that the IRS needs the the uh, the money, needs the people to be able to do the job. And I think we're starting to see, Francis, across government, not just in the IRS, that um, the federal government and federal employees perform critically important roles um, and provide critically important services to the American people. And so as a result, you got to fund it. Otherwise, you can't be surprised when they don't perform the way that you expect them to or, or, or want them to. And, and so what do I see as the problem? You know, obviously, uh, various folks make a decision in their own minds, I guess, about what they see as important what, and, and, and what they don't think the government should spend its money on. But here's what I will tell you. Since the IRS is so much in the in the news of late, and and I guess always is, you know that there are so many people who want to complain about the IRS and 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 what they do, but yet, you know, with funding um, being dramatically down from what it was in 2010, you had you had not just Commissioner Reddick, current commissioner of the IRS. But also going back to like, for example, John Koskin and Commissioner John Koskin at the time, I mean, I think they both had one particular message and it was basically this, that um, it's not a matter of when the IRS systems and the IRS uh, infrastructure breaks down, it's a matter of when. Mm -hmm. And I think we've seen a little bit of what happens when that uh, system falters. People don't get their, 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 uh, their money timely. And that's a major problem for folks. So I think that, you know, the administration talking about, you know, over 10 years wanting to put $79 billion into the IRS in terms of funding, I think long term, we've got to look at how do we put together an IRS that can effectively serve the American taxpayer and to continue to shove it to the side and say it's not important and and blame the IRS when they when Congress hasn't given them the funding, I think is misguided. Uh, we just have a couple of minutes left, Tony, and I want to pivot for a moment and get some sense from of what your members are telling you, not just at the IRS, but all across the government about back to the office. What are their agencies telling them and what are your members' levels of confidence about coming back to the office? And do you have a sense actually of what their enthusiasm is to come back to the office? Well, you know, as you might imagine, um, Francis, it's kind of, you know, all across the board. But let me let me just first say, you know, I want to acknowledge that um, there are literally tens of thousands of federal employees who actually never stopped reporting uh, to the office. And this was certainly um, the case for for jobs that aren't portable, um, for example, uh, uh, like at CBP and and also IRS and, and others, uh, frankly. But you know, for them, the whole return to office debate is really moot because candidly, they never left. For those who have been teleworking, however, um, you know, they've got some concerns about safety. So they're asking questions like, and and as a result, we are asking of the agencies questions like, you know, will the office uh, be over, will will it be crowded? Um, What is the plan if a coworker tests positive? What if my kid is sent home from school because of a close contact? If I get COVID, uh, will I have enough leave to stay home? See, I think these are just some of the legitimate questions that we talk about when we sit down with agencies um, and, and discuss the return to office plans. It's um, it's certainly not a one size fits all uh, type issue. Um, and, you know, 
agencies have different return dates. They got they have different plans um, and different employee concerns. But I will say to kind of close this piece of it out anyway, we really appreciate um, the Biden administration's direction that agencies sit down with employee unions uh, to talk about the return to office process. Because really, from my perspective, and I think you know, experience has uh, has you know it, it bears this out. Um, that it's really the best way to ensure that everything goes as smoothly as possible. Tony Reardon, great to talk to you as always. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you very much, Francis. Appreciate it. You can read more about Back to the Office and what's in the budget request in today's show notes, thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop Podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you've already rated the show on your platform of choice, Thanks for doing that. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney helps me put the show together every day, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Congressman Jim Langevin on tomorrow's Daily Scoop podcast. Until then, I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.